This team might be better than I thought. I spent all offseason talking about what this team could be. I told you about the talent infusion that Lane Kiffin made. But this team may be better than I thought they were. And I'll tell you why. Right here on the Locked On Ole Miss Podcast. You are Locked On Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, welcome to the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. I am your host, Stephen Willis, taking you on this journey of this magical mystery tour we call Ole Miss fandom. So, I think it's time to raise expectations a little bit. I think it is absolutely time to do that. I will tell you why in just a second. But first, I want to let you know, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. Do us a favor, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell for notifications of new videos going up, which happens quite frequently. And, of course, upvote the video itself. And comment down below, if you don't mind. If you think I'm going way overboard, let me know down below in the comments. Anyway, I spent seven months setting the expectation that this is going to be a talented team, but that it was better to be, I mean, there's a difference between talented and good. Because that's true. You have to prove that you are good. You have to make that step. There's lots of talented teams that go six and six. You have to prove that you're good. And everybody's going to say, hey, Steve, how can you pick this out from Troy in Central Arkansas? We won't learn anything until after Kentucky. What, what, we're, what are we learning after Kentucky exactly? I think we're learning after Kentucky if we can play with Texas A&M and Bama. That's the only thing that becomes a question after the Kentucky game. Because right now, Kentucky is making a legit, legit threat for third best team in the SEC. So after the Kentucky game, the only question that will be answered about this Ole Miss football team is can we compete for Atlanta? I mean, that, that... that's a weird situation to think of, but that's absolutely the truth. But there are some things that we can learn and some benchmarks that we could see along the way because you have to be all right to beat Troy. Troy's a decent opener. You have to prepare well. We look kind of sloppy, got the win by 18 points. The whole Ole Miss fan base melted down because we only beat Troy by 18 points. Then against Central Arkansas, we kind of got our act together operationally. And just completely blew them away. I think it was 59-3. to And from that going to Georgia Tech, we'll see how it goes against Georgia Tech. Against Troy, we will see how it goes against Tulsa. And then the Kentucky game. But all along the way, questions are getting answered. For instance, what do we know right now? We know that the running back room is the best running back room we've had since potentially 1997. Potentially 1998. But 1997 had Deuce McAllister and John Avery, two first-round backs, running. Quarterback by Stuart Patridge. Walker Jones was on that team. Both of those guys will be our guest analysts this weekend on the postcast after the Georgia Tech game. But we know that that running back room is incredibly deep. We know how physical they are. 
and I think we know how they want to play. There's an expectations of people in the fan base of how exactly an Ole Miss football team should look. It, it's silly to think of, but it's absolutely the case. And that is the case no matter which school you follow. When Mike Leach got hired and started running the air raid, Mississippi defense and run the football, which they've done for 40 years, they had a problem with that transition. When Rich Rod came in with Matt Luke, and they started running the football. There were people that had a problem with the way it looked. They're going to say and give excuses for several ways, but the reality is after Hugh Freeze and beating Alabama and playing football like that, there's certain ways that Ole Miss football is supposed to look, and that is a quarterback-driven team. Throw the ball around the yard, run the ball some, but that's like an also-ran thing. So, there will be a reaction to this, but I think this team is developing an identity. And that is Zach Evans and Quinshawn Judkins as the top two. Don't forget about Ulysses Bentley the fourth. I'm not forgetting about him, but the top two, there's a statement that can be made from those guys. This isn't going to be a quarterback driven team, at least not in the beginning. Eventually, I think the quarterback play, once this quarterback competition is finalized with the way that Kiffin goes all in on whoever he selects, and I think that has a little bit of play in this as well, but when Kiffin goes all in on his quarterback, you're going to see them relax a little bit. And against Troy, it was able to get a little sloppy on Jackson Dart. He had a couple of series that didn't quite go so well, didn't look good. Against UCA, he had one, but one did not become two. I think once this quarterback competition is over and he can relax and exhale, he is going to develop and it's going to accelerate. And I think Chuck Roundsville of the Ole Miss Spirit yesterday said something to the effect of 99.9999% sure that Jackson Dart starts against Georgia Tech. I think on Talk of Champions, another podcast, they talked how Luke Altmyer looked limited in practice. So I think this week the quarterback competition is just a bit of gamesmanship towards Kentucky. This isn't about Georgia Tech. This isn't about Tulsa. This is about Kentucky. Everything with this quarterback is about Kentucky. So... I expect this team to get better at the quarterback position. I expect this team to be running back dominant. I think as this team gets better at the quarterback position, it will also look better in the receiver position. The questions that some people with some uneducated eyes have about the receiver room need to realize it's more about ball placement and timing and getting the ball out where it needs to be when it's supposed to be there. I think that's more of an issue than, oh, man, the receivers aren't getting separation. That's, that's just a go-to. Young quarterbacks hold the ball longer than they're supposed to. They all do it. It's because they don't trust their eyes yet. And once they trust their eyes and their fundamentals are in place, it's going to really be unlocked quickly. Both Luke Altmaier and Jackson Dart are phenomenal players. It is okay to give one a compliment without indicting or insulting the other. It is okay. 
But Mississippians in this tend to be very tribalistic. If you give them a choice of two, they're going to pick sides and they're going to defend that side into the death. We've seen that in Luke Altmeyer versus Jackson Dart. We've seen this in Matt Corral versus John Rice Plumley. This has gone on throughout the years. And if you remember correctly, whenever Tom Luke and Russ Shouse was doing their alternating thing, there were people on both sides of the fence on that too. It's just the way we are. I hope that Lane Kiffin realizes if he's going to have a quarterback competition, it needs to be three players or no player. You just don't need to have a public competition because division happens. It's just a natural thing with the Ole Miss fan base. But I think the improvement of the quarterback position, the reliant on the running back room, the improvement that will happen in the wide receivers once the quarterbacks relax, and the fact that we have an absolutely dominant defense. We have a defense that is giving up an average of six and a half points a game in their first two, but everybody's like, well, yeah, that was against Troy and Central Arkansas State. Yes, they have twenty or seven straight games where they've given up less than 21 points. That's the longest streak since 2014, and that year – Ole Miss led the nation in scoring defense. This is starting to turn around. And also, by the way, I just want to point this out. I said back in the spring that I think this was happening. Now we have confirmation. DJ Durkin's running four-man. He's running the stuff that he ran back in 2020 at Ole Miss. He's not running any 3-2-6, any triple safety look. None of that stuff is in DJ Durkin's package right now. I think, I think that it was because Lane Kiffin directed which defense we were going to switch to. Lane Kiffin said, we are going to run this defense. Not DJ Durkin saying, we are going to run this defense. So I found that Fairly interesting. I think my theory on the coordinators is absolutely 100% correct. Um, but I think it's time to raise expectations because offensively they're coming along faster than I thought. The defense is, has a chance to be really dominant. And against Georgia Tech, they're going to line up and run the ball. Jeff Sims is a good quarterback. There's, I think it will take a Steven Garcia-esque game by Jeff Sims for Ole Miss to be in trouble. Uh, I, I think they have talented players around. I just think it's it's just a long haul. Whenever you go from the Paul Johnson flex bone and triple option or the air raid and try and do a normal offense right after that, your personnel is all out of whack. Everything needs to be changed. And so Jeff Collins, he gets – Grief, or I think Corey said he's more of a marketer than a football coach, Corey Burton from SEC After Dark. And Candace Cooper said that he's, it's just not very good. It, the Most of the problems can be directed from the coach. And I think he just had, he was dealt a losing hand because he was the one that came in and replaced Paul Johnson. In situations like that, or dealing with even great coaches, it's better to be the person that replaces the person that replaces the legend or the person that replaces 
um, the extreme system. So, should be interesting, should be a lot of fun, and everything like that. Before we go, you can see below on the bottom line, um, Ole Miss is favored by 16.5 points over Georgia Tech with an over-under of 61.5. The game is at 2.30 Central on ABC. Um, these lines and over-under courtesy of BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your pro and college football betting needs and sports information this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week games, or week two games. Um, BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline where the game starts. All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including iTunes and Spotify. Please leave a five-star review. You can say whatever you want to say. Leave a five-star review. That'll help others find the show. We might not be your cup of tea, but there's a chance we could be somebody's, and we would appreciate that very much. So five-star review, iTunes and Spotify. All right, so we talked about why Ole Miss should raise expectations from where they were three months ago. And they're coming along at a faster rate than I thought they would, honestly. Um, offensively, defensively, and on special teams, there's going to be mistakes. Nobody is going to play a perfect game, and Ole Miss is not Alabama. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is Ole Miss has a chance to be really good by the time they get to Alabama. That's the benchmark we're trying to build towards. It starts with Kentucky, and then it gets um, LSU, Auburn, Vandy, Texas A&M, getting you ready for Alabama. And then you go up to that house of horrors in Fayetteville that Ole Miss has struggled mightily at that place. And then there's the game against Mississippi State, which – Looks like it's going to be a little bit of a war, too. So should be pretty interesting. But what are we expecting? What do we need to see against Georgia Tech to continue this growth trend that we have been seeing? This build towards Alabama, this build towards the SEC West, this, all of this, how do we increase that going on the road at Georgia Tech? First of all, win the game. It doesn't matter if it's by 1 point, 10 points, or 40 points. Win the game. There's no such things as style points playing a Power 5 team on the road. Also, on on-campus games, the only one that Ole Miss has won in the last 22 years is against Texas in 2013. As far as regular season, non-SEC Power 5 games. They're 1-9. Two losses to Wake. Two losses to Missouri, because Missouri's in the Big 12 at that point. Uh, two losses to Texas Tech, split with Texas, and the Cal series with Matt Luke. Those those are the Power Five on conferences or on campuses that Ole Miss has played. So win the game. It doesn't matter if it's by one point or forty point. Win the game. Second of all, I want to see I want to see an offense that operationally runs fairly smooth. I expect Georgia Tech to sink back in coverage 
play really similarly to the way Troy did in the beginning because they're going to be afraid of getting beat by the deep ball and all of a sudden these quick games. The score from far, Lane Kiffin's reputation precedes him. So they are going to play in a way that can protect themselves from that. So it's going to open up the backs. It's going to open up all of these underneath stuff. I think Ole Miss needs to use the use Michael Trigg in this game. I think they need to use Jalen Robinson or J.J. Henry in the slot to run off people or alternate that. One person running the seam, the other in the middle of the field. Because if they're going to sink back, that there's a way you can attack that. I think Zach Evans and Quinshawn Judkins could have a day. But eventually, Georgia Tech is going to have to play almost straight up because of that running game. And whenever they do that, that is when you can attack them. That is when you can completely blow the, blow the game open with a deep ball. Jonathan Mingo, Malik Heath, those guys down the middle of the field. Georgia Tech... They can get after you a little bit. They have a little bit of talent on the field. This is the most talented non-conference team that Ole Miss will play. Period. I expect Ole Miss to win. I expect Ole Miss to cover. Um, I'm thinking right now Ole Miss covers the line and the under gets hit because I don't think they're going to score that much on Ole Miss's defense. And this will be the week that Ole Miss's defense truly arrives. And everybody will sit up and take notice because they are a power five team. I think in reality, their offense isn't much better than Troy. I think Troy has some advantages that Georgia Tech does not have because um, Gunnar Watson was an air raid quarterback last year. So he can throw the ball. They can catch the ball. They can pass pro. That's not an advantage that Georgia Tech has. They should be able to run the ball. They have a history of that. And we'll see exactly how that looks. But I'm not overly concerned about this game as far as what the score will be. Like I said, Ole Miss just needs to win the game. doesn't matter if it's by one point or by 40 points. Uh, not to digress off of it. That, that point remains. I'm just saying that I think also that Ole Miss will cover the line. So, if Ole Miss wins that game and they play operationally clean, win the line of scrimmage, they will take the step they need to take. Because the reality of this is, we've reached the point in Ole Miss football, and this is hard to believe even four years ago, whenever um, I think, the rumor is Ole Miss is wearing Stormtrooper uniforms, all white, at Georgia Tech. The last time we wore it was 2018. That was the Texas Tech game, the Arkansas game, that. And the Ole Miss defense was potentially one of the worst defensive units I have ever seen. Not just at Ole Miss, just period. It, it For new people watching this show that may not have the experience watching 2018 Ole Miss football, there was a hopelessness that came with being an Ole Miss fan. And you're like, well, you had D.K. Metcalf and A.J. Brown and Dawson Knox and um, 
and Demarcus Lodge, who quietly was my favorite of that group playing wide receiver. How how did you guys go six and six? Well, the answer is um quite simple. If Ole Miss had a one score game at any point, you had no hope of being able to cover that, to hold on to that. You needed a two-score lead under five minutes to go in the game to have a chance to win it. You would have games that A.J. Brown or D.K. Metcalf and those guys would completely go off, and you would end up losing it by two scores. Offensively, Ole Miss was a B-plus, A-minus team. Even with Jordan Tamu and all those guys, defensively, they were an F-minus. So, to go from that, to four short years later, to what we have now defensively. A, is a testament to the transfer portal. I'm a huge fan of the transfer portal. And B, it means the offensive side of the ball isn't so important. Like I said, Ole Miss fans are conditioned to playing a certain style of way. And part of that is because the defense has been so bad. The defense was pretty good in 2014. It was okay in 2015. After that, it kind of fell off a cliff for like eight years, six years, something like that. And the defense now is a legit defense, like 2014-level defense. Like I said, it's time to raise expectations. I was wrong about this team. This team's better than I thought. And... If they take care of business, they can still mess up. They're still a young team, and they're they're going to have a game where they mess up a couple of times. But that doesn't change the fact that they're good. Alabama's a good team. Alabama should have gotten beat by Texas. Is Texas a good team? I don't know. They got beat by Kansas last year. Which, by the way, break up the Jayhawks. They're 2-0 and with a conference win. They're leading the Big 12 right now. So... Kara McCutcheon's coming up after this break. And I do want to thank everybody for tuning in. And this week we've had a lot of fun on shows and we're going to have a lot more. Because once the um, SEC play starts, these titles and the way we're doing shows is going to bring other members of other fan bases to watch these videos and comment on them. So it should be a lot of fun. So expect it to continue to improve. SEC after dark last night, huge success. Um, very impressed with that. SEC after dark pick should be up this afternoon sometime, um, along with three games to watch. Tomorrow we will have our uniform reveal and, of course, biscuits in SEC. And we have our preview for Georgia Tech up Saturday morning at 7. This is our normal content lineup. We're still playing. We're still early on trying to figure out exactly what we need to do to, to maximize it. Because that's the whole thing we want to do is we want to maximize what is going on. So anyway, after this break, Kara McCutcheon for her weekly spot. Take care. All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. So do us a favor, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell for notifications when we release a new video or go live, and of course upvote the video itself. We'd appreciate it. You can comment below. All of this would be good things. I'm here with Kara McCutcheon for her weekly hit 
on the show, and she's got some stuff to talk about. I think Jeff Levy's up to something up in Oklahoma, is he not? Yeah, for not really playing anybody, um, he's sure talking a big game. Um, I think he said after the game, and, and of course I don't know what the question was that wasn't stated, but it just says, I believe we're in a better spot than we were as a unit at prior stops, UCF, Ole Miss. I think it's because of who is catching the snap. We've got a guy who has great understanding. We've taken great care of the football. Well, first off, I don't know if he knows this, but his current quarterback was his quarterback um, at UCF for at least, I think, a season. Um, and to even compare Dylan Gabriel right now, um, I'm not hating on Dylan Gabriel, but to compare Matt Corral to Dylan Gabriel, I mean, Matt Corral started off a Heisman hopeful. He finished seventh. Um, Dylan Gabriel, I don't even know if really is in the conversation yet. Um, you know, uh, and, and then I think like, in, I know he's had first two good games, but they've played UTEP and Kent State. We played last year Louisville, and then we did play Austin PA and then Tulane. Um, so I don't really know if you can this early really say Dylan Gabriel is better than Matt Corral. Yeah, the weird thing is, like, he's trying to, I guess, make Oklahoma sound good. At, at point, somewhat rubber chicken circuit going on. Uh, but that is his hometown. That's where he's from. That's where he went to school. But I don't know if Oklahoma's offense is even on a level with Central Florida at this point. Dylan Gabriel at Central Florida that year was probably a better quarterback than Dylan Gabriel starting off at Oklahoma right now. Uh, it, that's that's peculiar to me. Yeah, I I don't understand the comments. I think, um, you know, he has some explaining to do on that. I don't think it's a good idea to go in and make statements against your former program. Sorry. Um, so, uh, I don't think it's good to – I'm sorry. My lab is really wanting to see you. Uh, he can hear your voice. Um so I think for Dilly Gabriel or Levy, I just think it's way too soon to even start that kind of narrative. And if somebody does ask a question along those lines, it's very easy for a coach to say it's hard to compare between two programs while they're playing in the same offense. Um, it's hard to compare the two uh, against who they're playing, against their styles. Like It's very easy to narrate that answer a little bit different than what Levy did. Yeah, and I, I don't remember a coach that had a quicker fall from grace. If you go back just before the Mississippi State game, there was conversations being had amongst prominent people. Uh, Jeff Levy was the guy if Lane leaves in December. And Jeff Levy's the guy, and, and, and he started to do that. And then, like, five weeks later, it completely turned around. And now at the point where if Lane leaves, Jeff Levy won't even get a phone call. Yeah, I think he's definitely burned some bridges. And um, I just think that kind of really shows his character more than it does anything else. Um, you know, I think even if you were not wanting the job ever, you would definitely still show a little respect to the prior programs you've been at. Um, so, you know, it just kind of shows to his character and, and the person he is with statements like that. And especially to kind of say something like that about Matt Corral, who he had supposedly such a close relationship with. And Matt said a lot of great things about Jeff um, prior and how much he was in his development. So I just think it's kind of crazy that, uh, you know, Jeff Levy would make such statements. Yeah, people need to realize with this staff and with most coaching staffs, the public narrative that they want you to believe is not necessarily really the case. 
that's just what they want to present out to people in order for questions not to be asked and the most leeway, the most rope they can get there. But anyway, let's move on to this Ole Miss team. Ole Miss beat Central Arkansas this um, past Saturday. And I don't want you to talk too much on it, but what are your impressions on that game? So I'm not going to go into all the other things that most have talked about. What I'm going to go into that I want to discuss is, you know, this team, there was a lot of discussion before about having this many transfers together. And I think this this team is really showing um, that those rumors aren't real. I think they look very much gelled. It doesn't matter if Lucan is in. It doesn't matter if Dart's in. It doesn't matter if Kincaid is in. Like, this team looks like they're having fun. Um, one of the things when I was watching with my dad, he said, these guys look happy. They're smiling. They're um, they're celebrating. Like, these guys look like they're having a good time. And I think that's the one thing that the um, – media narrative or national narrative was oh lane has all these guys that are coming in and there are a bunch of transfers and the morale and how are they all going to gel but i think that lane and his team have done a tremendous job with all the new faces i think these guys very much look gelled they very much look focused um they very much look like they had fun together uh you can see trig celebrate with luke just as much as he celebrates with dart um they all have a good relationship it looks like and uh if you watch the season it sounds like dart and luke have a very good relationship with each other they understand it's a competition but they're not um negatively towards each other they kind of almost root for each other so i think a lot of that um you know national narrative has really been shut down and i contribute that to lane and how well they've done yeah the jump from week one to week two was quite pronounced mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure it's even going to get a little bit better on the road at georgia tech before we get into that game a little bit i do like this whole episode today i've been kind of shooting down this narrative where people have said you will not know anything about this team until after kentucky and that is not the case the what you will know after kentucky is if Ole miss can compete with alabama because mm-hmm. Kentucky's probably right now in the running for the third best SEC team. There's other things that you can know. There's other things that you can pay attention to. But if you can, if only competing with Alabama is all you care about about this team, yes, you get all your answers in Kentucky. Otherwise, there's all kinds of stuff that you can take from game to game. Even Central Arkansas, we learned some sort of stuff about players. Not necessarily talent, but we're talking about operationally. The stuff outside that they need to do to clean it up. The focus against an inferior opponent. That's important stuff. And that just gets glossed over by, by people from time to time. When if you just really dig into what's going on, what they're saying is, we won't know anything about this team until after Kentucky. What they're really saying is, we won't know if this team can play with Alabama until after Kentucky. Yeah, I think um, a lot of the stuff with Kentucky is we don't, I guess we ourselves don't really appreciate the, the matchups that we have in those first four games. Um, we kind of stack ourselves a little bit higher there. I think that Tulsa game is going to be actually a pretty difficult game. Um coming up and we talked about that yesterday i really think that tulsa game is going to be um a little bit different there uh, i think it's gonna be harder than people are going to give tulsa credit for um but i think a lot of things you can see is kind of some of the stuff you're seeing at other schools if you look uh oklahoma struggled um a little bit before they got it together um clemson struggled a little bit before they got it together uh a lot of teams have really 
kind of struggled this season against teams that, you know, normally they would blow out. So we've seen a lot of group of fives step up. And um, I mean, I think it's been great for football, honestly. Uh, but even look at Texas, like you got a lot of new guys there and they've done well. So, uh, or they looked well. So I think there's been a lot of narratives that with transfers and all these different things and what you're saying, but there's definitely things you can see from this before mm-hmm. we play Kentucky and the things that we're kind of putting that we are advancing on. We might just not have it all together yet without that key piece yeah. that we've been waiting for. Yeah, it's just one of those things. And, and like, if you think about it, everybody talks about the NFL going from four preseason games to three. And that became a big um, week one talking point. It's like this offense is not going to be as sharp because they took away a preseason game. Well, when I was working at Ole Miss, we had sometimes five scrimmages in a fall camp. This Ole Miss team had two and a mock game, but two real scrimmages. And – the sloppiness in week one, that's almost to be expected because, I mean, you cannot use that excuse in the NFL and not have it trickle down to college a little bit as well. They just don't have the reps, and as these reps come, they're going to get better and better and better as they go. Because, like I said, I, I, I equate these first four games to quizzes in Kentucky being the exam. Mm-hmm. These four tests are not going to get you an A in the class. These four tests can make sure the best you can do is a C in the fi- on the final grade. <laughs> so you need to do well. You want to do well in these quizzes and then do well in the exam um, when Kentucky's available. I agree. Um, and looking forward to Georgia Tech, I think we will have a little bit of a test against Georgia Tech. Uh, I think their defense looks pretty good. Um, you know, if you look at our stat line numbers compared to theirs, um, it's not too far off. Uh I think the biggest keys for Georgia as we're moving there uh, for Atlanta this weekend is to really kind of take down the run game. It looks like their their star running back. If you can kind of quiet him, uh, that's the key. It make a Sims throw. <laughs> looks like that as mm-hmm. the key there is making the quarterback throw and getting to him. So if we can uh, calm down Dante, is it Dante Smith? Dante Smith. Don- yeah, I think it's Dante. I had Con- Candace Cooper, and I think she said Dante. Mm-hmm. And and but, I I think um, that Ole Miss has a chance in this Georgia Tech game to affect the quarterback. Now, the only way Georgia mm-hmm. Tech makes this a game is if if Steve, a Stephen Garcia like performance is done by Jeff Smith, Jeff Sims. Mm-hmm. That's the only way I think they stay in it. I think Ole Miss covers. I think Ole Miss. I think they hit the under. But that's where I'm looking this game. I think for us, like, I think the biggest thing um, with their defense and everything is we might be a similar in Clemson game where we struggle a little bit the first half and then we really just kind of come together in that second half and, and go from there. Um, I think uh, if we see Dart, our tra- or sorry, <laughs> Dart or Luke, um, either one, I think we still have some young mistakes that are going to happen with any kind of quarterback. Uh, they're going to make mistakes this season. Those things are coming. Um, so there'll probably be some mistakes in this game. Uh, there's probably going to be some interceptions and uh, we just have to look past those. They also have the added pressure of the competition still on both of them. So they're going to be forcing things. Um, so I think that first half might have a little bit to it, but I think they fine tune and make the adjustments needed for the second half. 
Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, get more on the SEC by making Locked On SEC your second listen. Everyday host Chris Gordy and his local experts of Locked On take you across the SEC in 30 minutes. Make Locked On SEC your second listen. Locked On SEC. Kara, thank you so much for joining us. Um, enjoy the game, and it should be a lot of fun. And we got um, Stuart Patridge and Walker Jones for the post-game show this week, so that should be pretty cool. Thanks so much, Stephen. Hotty toddy. Hotty toddy.